0: And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. Good. So, in uh, the last few weeks, Pastor Josh has been sharing on this subject of my hometown. I mean, you've been here the last few weeks and, or caught that online or whatever. I'll tell you what, I think he's doing an excellent job. It's a great series, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, especially this idea of talking about the importance of the place where we live and the, the impact, the influence that we can have where we are. The things that we can be praying for, the things that we can do, and um, I haven't, as I said, haven't been here the last few weeks, but I believe that Josh has knocked us out of the park talking about our schools. I uh, need to pray for our schools, our students, our teachers, everything that goes on in our schools. I believe that can be a great place for kingdom opportunities, and we need to pray for those things. Last week, talking about the government, praying for our government praying for government officials, praying for government, that which governs us. We have to have government, government placed there by God. I'm not going to repeat his message, he did a great job. But the governments are placed there by God for a reason, so that we can have peaceful lives. So that we can live in in unity and peace and harmony. And thank God we live in a, a nation, I'm thankful for this nation, it's a great nation for many reasons, but we have a legal system that works, and a lot of countries don't. The legal systems are broken. We have a legal system that works, and that's government. That's the way government works. It's to govern the people. And the people in those positions, just like all the rest of us, are not perfect people. And so they need our prayers, whether we agree with their politics or not. And Pastor Josh, I think, made a great statement last week about politics and government de- being different things. Government is governing. Politics is about getting votes. Governing is governing. It's about taking care of people and watching over people. So we need to be praying for those things. And he's been, Pastor Josh, has been sharing this a passage from First uh, Corinthians chapter sixteen about how that we have uh, this, uh, Paul said, "I have this great door that's been opened to me, a wide open door for a great work." And I believe that we have a wide-open door for a great work in our communities. Everywhere we live, our hometown, wherever you happen to reside, wherever you lay your head on the pillow at night, that's your hometown. You live in that community, that's your hometown. And there is a wide-open door for the gospel. Our nation has been gospelized for a couple of hundred years, really, Uh, but uh, yeah, the gospel has been carried into this world, has been evangelized for many years, and yet uh, some of the evangelization, some of the gospelization has been more religion than it has been the truth of what God's Word actually teaches us. And so we need those who will carry the truth of God's Word into this world. You know, one of the things I appreciate in the classes that I teach at Iowa Central on uh, Intro to Religion is I meet students all the time who have kind of given up on Christianity because of examinations. That they've seen. And when I talk to them about what Christianity really is, it changes sometimes, it changes the concepts of what they believe Christianity is. Because the church honestly hasn't always done a great job of presenting Jesus. We do a good job of presenting our ideas and our religion, but not always a good job of presenting Jesus. And that is, by the way, our mission, is it not? So here's the good news: we can make a difference in our communities. We can make a difference in our cities. You can make a difference in your city, in your community. Um, and so I want to continue that theme today. And I want to discuss a little bit uh, about the influence that you and I have. I want to talk about influence. Influence is a wonderful thing, it really is. And it exists all the time everywhere. There's always influence going on. We're going to talk about that. But I want to talk about specifically today the influence that you and I as individuals and as a body of people can have in our communities, in the larger community, our hometown, and the area around Fort Dodge where God has placed this body. So maybe you may be from another community, but you are here in New Covenant in Fort Dodge, and this is the hub, we might say, for where we can begin to influence the world around us. And so um, as we think about that, we can have that influence. Why is influence so important? So this... Series so far, we've talked about my school, my government. Today, it's my influence. We're going to talk about my influence, your influence. What is your influence like in the community where you live, in the places where you go? What is your influence in this world around us? And to do that, I want to take a quick look at our mission statement. I know that you all know our mission statement, and you could yell it at me right now. Go ahead. Yes, good job. So look at it. There it is. Love God, love others, and impact our world. Yes? I want to hit, I'm not going to talk about this, but I want to hit this one word, impact, just for a moment. And when we did this mission statement, we chose that word impact for a reason. I don't have a definition up for you, but that word impact um, has to do with an object having contact with another object and, both, um, and often altering the state of both as a result. Say that again. Impact is one object coming into contact with another and often altering the state of both in the, in the event. Make sense? So if you have, an, if you have a, two cars who have an impact, sometimes you call it a crash, right? The, these two objects come together, and it alters the condition of both. True? So that's what impact really is. So when we th- think about having an impact or impacting our world, we don't crash into <laughs> the world around us, but we have contact, yes, with the world around us, and it alters the state of the world around us, and sometimes it even alters us. Has a, it has an effect on us as well. Uh, not that it leaves dents, but it leaves an effect, an impact on our lives. So I wanted to take this, um, this uh, statement, the mission statement, for just a moment and break it down a little bit more. So I wanted to just share this with you. Go ahead and put that slide up. By purposely, purposefully, excuse me, by purposefully, it's been a while since I've preached here, I'm a little nervous, by purposefully learning to love God. How many are learning to love God? How many of you agree with me that that is a process? I might have loved God yesterday. I might love God today, but it's a process of loving God. It's like my—I love my wife. I've loved my wife for 45 years. We started dating 45 years ago this fall. That's a long time. Yeah, I know, right? And we've been married for 43. It's crazy. But I—I I almost fell in love with her immediately. There's so much about her that I love. But you know what? My love is still progressing for her. It's still changing. It's still processing because it's alive. It's a living thing, right? So purposefully learning to love God, the growth process. And by intentionally, everybody say intentionally. Yeah. Intentionally choosing to love others, we will automatically impact our world. So when we intend to do, when we purposefully learn to love God, when we um, purposefully learn to love God, intentionally choose to love others. I mean, that, no, that, someday that's really a choice, to love others. Because some days you just don't feel like it. Some days you feel like doing other things with them. Right? We choose to love people anyway because there's a spirit living inside of us that enables us to do that. So when we purposefully learn to love God, we intentionally choose to love others. That will automatically, it will have an effect on our lives because of a thing called influence. It will have influence in the world around us. Learning to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength has a profound impact on our lives, does it not? Learning to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength changes us like nothing else can. It alters our condition, literally changes everything about us, and it's a process. And that idea of learning to really love others, it changes how we view everything in life. The more determined I am to choose to love others, no matter their condition, their state, or what they say or do to me, the more I choose to love others, that not only has a profound impact on my life, but it changes the way I view everything. I begin to view everything from eyes of compassion and mercy and grace. Thinking a little more like Jesus when I choose to love others. You all with me on this? Yeah. Sometimes those others are people who live in your house. Those ones we have to choose to love. Ah, it's getting quiet in here. So, Or maybe they have lived in your house. Maybe it's a, you know, a child that's moved out or a, a sibling that's moved out or you know, whatever this, whatever case may be. Our families sometimes are places where we need to choose to demonstrate unconditional love. And by doing so, we, again, we have an impact, we have an influence, we begin to alter the condition of things. Living the great commandment is not easy, but it is the only thing that will change the world. Let's say that again, living the great commandment is not easy, but it's the only thing that will change the world. You and I choosing to love God, love others, will have an impact on our world. There's two and a half billion of us Christians. Folks, we can change the world. But we can't do it with religion. We can't do it with our ideas. We can't do it with our political bends. We have to do it with the Great Commission, choosing to love others and love God. You all with me on this? So another way of saying that last bit about will impact our world, we could say we'll influence our culture. We'll love God, love others, and influence our culture because that's what will happen. When we love God and love others, we will influence our culture. Nudge your neighbors. Say, I think you right about that. When we love God and when we love our neighbors, we love others, we will influence our culture for the kingdom. Our mission at this church, you know, we we have influenced our culture here. We've influenced our city without setting out to do so. Now, that sounds a little strange. Let me tell you what I mean by that. My mission as the pastor and Pastor Josh's mission as the pastor now, so for the last over three decades, the mission of this church has not been, let's influence our society. Our mission has been, let's make a difference for the good in as many lives as we possibly can. And in the process of doing that, guess what we've done? We've influenced our culture we've influenced our society to a certain extent. Our intention has been to reach out and to make a difference in as many people's lives in as many ways as we possibly can. That's our mission. And the result of that mission is that we influence our community to a certain extent. So it's more of a result than a goal. Let's just think about the outreaches we do to our community. Just as a reminder, not patting ourselves on the back You know, we're not going to rest in our laurels. We're not going to say, "Wow, look at what we've done. Aren't we great? That's not what this is about. But let's just think, so the last quarter here, October, November, and December, the last quarter of this year, let's just look at some of the outreaches that we are doing or have done. We did an oil change where we changed oil for like 30-some-plus single moms and, and widows, right? Did an oil change. Many of you were involved in that. We're so thankful. We've been doing that for... Since 2002, somebody do the math. 17 years—that's a long time. Still doing that. I want to do it for another 17 years. How about you? We did that. Coming up this Friday is No Fear Zone. That's right. And a couple hundred, a few hundred children will come and be ministered to by this church just because we want to do something to bless them. They're going to come and have a fun time. Sound good? In November we are dropping something. What are we dropping? We're dropping an album. Share the Hope. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to reach out, not just in our community, but in the larger community, in the bigger hometown, yes, wherever we can touch lives. Um, We will also participate in the next three months in Meals on Wheels, where we're going to carry you and I together, members of this church, we will carry food to shut-ins and people who need meals, we'll carry food to them through part of the Meals on Wheels program in December, once again, for how many years, we're going to do the giving tree? What? Since 99, so that's like 20 years. My math is good today, I'm, I'm, I'm nailing this. So we're going to do the Upper Des Moines, uh, for Upper Des Moines Opportunities, the Giving Tree coming up in December. So many of you have taken part in that over the years. We're going to invest a small amount of money and a prayer in three different area churches, October, November, and December as we invest 100 bucks in them and offer prayer for them in a service because we believe the other churches in this community uh, are here for a reason, that God has a purpose for them and they don't have to be like us for us to like them. They don't have to be like us for us to want to serve them and make a difference in their lives in some way. Uh, we're going to support missionaries around the world financially here locally as well uh, in the next three months. You know, Janice had mentioned that, that we take 17% and we send that out. And it actually, that's what we commit to, but it actually ends up being a little more than that. So we said, well, what kind of a number is that? It's around 100 grand a year that we invest in ministries outside of New Covenant. That's significant enough that we should at least mention it once in a while, don't you think? Plus our weekly outreach to addicts, to in the incarcerated, to people uh, with hurts, habits, and hangups, to people who are human and need Jesus To people who have Jesus and are human and need love. To just people, human beings, homo sapiens who need to know that there are other homo sapiens who believe we're part of the same tribe and that we can love one another deeply and unconditionally. So that's just some of the stuff that we do to reach out. We've been doing it for a long time. Influence is something, here's all I'm trying to say. Influence is something that happens as a result of our desire to serve others. Not as a desire to have influence. Influence. I have no desire to have influence. I have a desire to serve other people. And as I serve other people, I believe I will have an influence in their lives. But the goal is not influence, the goal is serving. The result is influence. So what is influence? Great question, let's define that right away, right now, here it goes. Influence is this, the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something. To influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, everybody say character. Development. Say that one, or behavior. Okay. Well, let me start over. The capacity to have an effect on the character and the development or the behavior of someone or something. So, what is character? Glad you asked. Check it out. Mental or moral qualities. So, we want to be able to affect the mental and moral qualities. That's influence. Yep. What's development? It's the process of evolving. Christians don't really like that word evolving. It just means, here's what evolving means. It means to change over time. How many of you have evolved since you came to Jesus? How many of you have changed over time since you came to Jesus? Not into some other kind of a creature, but you've evolved into a different person. I sure have. I'm not who I was you know, 40 years ago when I came to Christ, and I'm not who I will be 40 years from now. Definitely not what I will be 40 years from now. But, you know, that's part of the the process of developing. I am being developed. How about you? So the process of development, character building, development, and then behavior. We all know what that is. The way one acts or conducts themselves especially toward others. And so this idea of influence is to have the capacity to have an effect on character, development, behavior. And I really do believe that we live in a world that needs God's impact on character, development, and behavior. People will develop, given. People will develop a character. People will have behavior. There's only two ways that you and I express life. We express life in only two ways, through what we say and through what we do. And what are the two things that have gotten you in the most trouble in your life? What you say and what you do, right? Just like me. If I, if I never said anything, I probably wouldn't get in as near as much trouble as I do sometimes. And my wife says, true. That's wonderful. Anyway, so it's our our actions and our words, right? So let's start here. Let's talk about this for a minute. And wow, time flies when you're having fun. So uh, this is my introduction. I think I'm ready to go. Something is going to influence our lives. Something is going to influence my character. Something is going to influence my development. Something is going to influence my behavior. Am I right about it? There is an ancient and real battle for influence. It's as old as the Garden of Eden. God said to Adam and Eve, you can have everything except this. And when he said that, he spoke from his nature, his character, who is God. He's a loving, compassionate, gracious God who is extremely generous and wants to protect us. So he says there's one thing you need to leave alone for your own protection. He spoke from his nature, his character. Then along came the devil spoke from his nature and character and said you shouldn't really trust God. It's not what he said, but that's what he meant. You shouldn't really trust God. And so it set up a battle for influence. Who's going to influence Adam and Eve? Is it going to be God and what he said, his character? Or is it going to be the devil and what he said, his character? What's going to influence them? And this battle has been set up ever since. Jesus, thank God everybody smile, has effectively conquered that battle. Jesus has effectively conquered that battle, and the battle between God's influence and the devil's influence doesn't exist for, for, for Christians because we don't have any concept of listening to anything the devil has to say to us. See, I thought I'd get a witness in here on that. So here's the huge question, though. There are still other influences out there. We're going to call them worldly influences. Would that be okay? There are still other, other influences out there, and so the question is a huge question, who are your influences? People ask that of musicians, you know, or chefs or people, I've heard people being interviewed, you know, artists in particular, people say, so, so who are your influences, right? Who got you started? Who is it that, that brought the character, the development, that style within you? Who is it that influenced your life? And we hear this asked a lot. The answer is not as simple as God or the devil. There are many players in this drama today of influence, Who or what inspires you would be the question. The question really is, who or what has had the greatest effect on your development, your character, and your behavior? Who's doing that? Who's affecting that? The battle, on the one hand, we have the prevailing culture, the world system that has a strong pull on all human beings. This world system that we live in, whether we're saved, sanctified, or not, it has a strong pull on us. This world system, whether we realize it or not, has infiltrated the way we think, the way we process stuff to a larger degree than we probably actually realize. Some of these kind of things, just think about some of the, 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 the influence the world would want to have. The world would have this kind of influence. Get all you can out of this life. Put yourself first. Anybody ever heard anything like that out in the world? If it feels good, do it. You know, put yourself first. Get everything you can out of this life. Just suck all the life out of this life as you can. Doesn't matter where you get it all. Take care of number one. It's a perverted idea of who number one is, right? That's what the world says. After all, if you don't take care of you, who is? Who's going to do it, right? So get all you can. Hang on to everything you can get. The American dream, yes? There's this this influence of the American dream. What's the American dream? Well, you can have it all for the low, low monthly payment of fill in the blank, right? You can have it all, and you deserve it. You deserve to have... Everything, the two new cars and the bigger better house, whatever, and all the stress and all the pressure that goes along with it. Just have it all. It's the American dream, right? This pressure is real in this world, folks. This idea that, I, that the world will give us this, this influence that, you know what, you deserve to be happy, and anything that doesn't make you happy should go. Whether that's the city that you live in, your hometown isn't just good enough, you need to go to a different hometown, or you know, your car, or your house, or uh, your job, or your spouse. <laughs> that kind of rhymes your car, your house, your job, or your spouse, whatever. Whatever doesn't make me happy, the ultimate goal in this, in this prevailing culture that we live in is just be happy. Whatever makes you happy. If it requires pills, if it requires getting rid of things, do whatever you have to do, be happy. You know, I don't know it's realistic to be happy all the time, but we can certainly have joy. We'll get back to that, though. This idea that the world presents that it's all about me and what I want and what I should have, This has influenced millions and millions of people in our world. Do you believe me today? And it's even infiltrated into the church and had an effect in the body of Christ. You know why? Because we are imperfect human beings. That seemed like that was a shock. Everybody went, we are, all myself included, all of us, we are all imperfect human beings. I wasn't picking on you, right? The promise of secular humanism is pretty interesting. Live without morals and you'll be happy. I had some stuff in here about politics, but how about if I just go over that? So on the other side of the battle for influence, we have the worldly influence, but then we also have something that counteracts all of this. And let's look at this. You see this on the screen. Here's here's the world's influence. You can get all you can out of this life. How many have heard that kind of an idea? Get all you can, but, you know, beg, steal, borrow, whatever you do, get all you can out of this life. Here's God's answer. Look at it in Acts 20. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our Master said... You're far happier giving than getting. I don't know why it's so hard for us Christians sometimes to get these basic concepts. It is better if we're happier. If we really want happiness, we're going to be happier by giving than we are going to be by getting. I don't need it all. What I need is to be free from it all and be willing to give anything that needs to be given so that other people's lives can be blessed. When we serve others, we have an influence. Without even really trying. Y'all see that? How many wanna be far happier giving rather than getting? gets us there. The world system says, get everything you can, it'll make you happy. God's system, God's influence comes along and says, if you give, you will be much happier. How many have noticed that? How many of you have actually given something that you really wanted to give to help somebody, to bless somebody, to really light up their world, to light up their life for a moment? You wanted to do something, to do great, something great for them, and you give them something, and it has the desired effect. Doesn't that make you feel great? It feels better than winning the lottery, Somebody said, I don't know, I've never won the lottery. I haven't either, but it feels great to give. Does it not? And you know what? Sometimes when people give to us, it's kind of humbling. But giving to others, it's like, man, this is, it just makes you feel so good, right? We don't do it because we want to feel good. We do it because we want to bless people. It's happier to give. It makes us feel blessed when we want to give. The world influence says something like this. Put yourself first. If you don't, nobody else will, right? Here's God's response to that. He says, if you want to be first, be a servant. Check it out in Mark 9. He sat down, called the 12, and said to them, whoever wants to be first must, everybody say must, must, must be last of all and servant of all. And I'll tell you what, the, the, being great in God's economy, in God's kingdom, is not about what we get or who we, who we think we become spiritually. It's about how willing we are to serve. It's about how willing we are to empty our lives. When we talk about having an influence in our hometown. And I talked about those things. I don't even remember. There's like eight or nine things that we're just going to do this last quarter of the year. When we do those things, we're serving other people. And we, some of these things we've been doing for years and years. And you know what? The church has gotten a reputation because influence will eventually develop a reputation. The church has gotten a, this church has gotten a reputation of a church that cares about people, cares about the community, is willing to do things to serve the community. That's the key word, serve. If we have a heart to serve as a body and as individuals, then our influence becomes greater than ourselves. The world um, talks about this idea of put yourself first. But here's something else God says in Philippians 2. Don't be interested only in your own life, but be interested in the lives of others. Everybody say interested. That does not mean the same as put up with. Be interested in the lives of others. Be genuinely interested in what other people are going through Even if they're not cut out of the same piece of cloth as us, even if they don't name Jesus as their savior, be interested in what other people are going through. Be interested in their lives because by becoming interested in their lives, they become more interested in who we are because we love them and accept them right where they are. You know, when I first got saved, I wanted to evangelize everybody. I had this idea of evangelizing people. And, you know, it was one of those things where you have a lot of zeal and no wisdom. Anybody know what I'm saying? And you can can cause a lot of problems. I think God graced some of it. I didn't get killed anyway. But there were some situations where I got myself into some some pretty ugly things. But you know, this idea of trying to force people to know Jesus. You know what? If we will become interested in who people really are, they'll be so open to the idea of what motivates us and what influences us that they'll want to actually know. You start hanging around people that really make you feel good. You want to know what influences you, what motivates you. Who are your influences? Because they make you feel human, they make you feel like, there's a saying that I quoted to you a few weeks ago when I was preaching that if we treat people as they are, we make them worse. But if we treat them as they're capable of being, we encourage them to become all that they're capable of being. Just showing an interest in other people is a, is a principle that Jesus actually followed. Would you agree with that? Yes. That concept can deeply influence our lives. This one principle alone, just being interested in others, can change a city, a nation, a world. That one principle saved us. The principle of being interested in other people as much as yourself saved us. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross because he was interested in you, in your life, and not just his own. You all with me on this? Here's something else the, the world influences us with. The American dream, right? The American dream, have it all. Here's, I love this. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 4. Paul says this, actually... I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content. Everybody say quite content. Quite content, whatever my circumstances. Paul learned this. You know how he learned it? He learned it by going through some circumstances where he didn't have much. And he learned he could live through it. (laughs) He could live through rough times. He could live through beatings, left for dead, multiple times, and live through it. Shipwrecked. He goes through this whole litany, this whole list of things that he had been through. And he learned through that process that he can be content in whatever situation, whatever condition is going on in his life, whatever his circumstances are. This is something we need to learn that we need to be content because life will never be perfect. We're always waiting for some great thing, something to get better, this next thing to happen, this next thing to happen. When this happens, then everything will be great. We are wasting time hoping something's going to get better when we've been given a life to live today that can actually make, di- make a difference in people's lives if we live it and stop thinking about what's going to happen in the future or what's going to happen when this happens or that happens and everything's going to be great. We waste time. The drive for more has shipwrecked many businesses, many ministries, many lives, many marriages. This idea of having more says, I've just learned to be quite content, whatever the situation is. Not necessarily satisfied with where I'm at, but content with what I have. Worldly influence says this, I have deserved to be happy. God's answer goes something like this. God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic. What a find! and proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money and buy that field. Why would he do that? Because he was convinced that the stuff he has cannot make him as happy as the one treasure he found in that field. When we become convinced that all the stuff that we accumulate and all the stuff that we pile up and all the little tags that we attach to our names that we've done this and this, we realize that none of that matters to the treasure that we've found in God's kingdom. We're willing to let go of all of that. And just have what God has for us as the source of our joy and happiness. You all with me? One uh, last one here. World influence. It's all about me and what I want. Now, none of you think that way intentionally. Here's God's answer. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests, and take up his cross and follow me cleave steadily to me, conform wholly to my example in living and, if need be, in dying also. That is the definition of influence. You know what Jesus is saying there? He's saying, let me influence you. Let my life be the influence of your life. Here's the thing. One of two things are going to influence us, and it's probably going to be, at some point, a mixture of them. Either the, the world system, or I would say it this way, prevailing culture. The culture that prevails in the world that we currently live in. Desires to influence us and make us think. In certain ways, and I may not have hit the thing. I mean, I just went through a, sh- a few little things that the world tries to force on us, that the, the the prevailing culture tries to make us think. There are so many others that we could get into, um, but we don't have time for all of them today, so I just wanted to kind of hit that. But all of them do have kind of a similar theme and it all focuses on self. It's all about me. What about me? What do I get out of this? What's my, Where's my lollipop? You know, where, It's not fair. He got something I didn't get. What about me? It all focuses back on that where Jesus says... If that influences us, we will become very small. A man wrapped up in himself makes a very small package. But if we let Jesus influence us, all of that changes. And we see ourselves simply as a vessel placed here by God to serve the world around us. That creates influence. What does this have to do with my hometown? Just this, that whatever affects us is in turn going to affect the world around us. Whatever influences us will influence the world around us. Everywhere I go, I carry the influence that has affected my life. Everywhere I go, I carry that influence. Everybody I interact with, I carry that influence. What influences me, it creates our character. It develops us. It changes our behavior, right? Because that's what, that's what that, that effect is of influence, the effect on the person's character, development, and behavior. If Jesus is affecting all of that, then when I go out into this world, I don't have to try to present Jesus. I just live what's influenced me, and it influences those around me. It impacts those around me. Are you getting this? Y'all kind of looking at me like, hmm, okay. But in return, our character, our development, our behavior not only impacts those around us, but as it impacts those around us, it begins to change our culture. This world is a different place today. Because the the gospel of Jesus Christ has survived through multiple attempts to snuff it out. There have been multiple attempts to end the gospel message. And it hasn't died and it's continued and it's grown and grown and grown until it now makes up about one-third of the world population. That is important. John Maxwell said this once. He said, nothing is more important than influence. How we influence this world is the impact that we have on this world. And that comes from what influences us. So here's the question. What's influencing you? Are we following after the the subtle wooings of the Holy Spirit to follow kingdom principles? Or are we listening to the shouts? of the world system, the prevailing culture, because that's exactly what it is. The world shouts at us, this is how you ought to live. And we see it everywhere, and sometimes Christian titles and Christian tags are even snapped onto it, but it's not truly gospel. It's not what Jesus said he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. And so when we get past all the shouts and all the noise and we hear the still small voice, he's saying, this is the way walk in it. He's saying, this is the way I want you to live. This is how we influence the world around us. This is how we touch our schools. This is how we touch our government. This is how we touch our homes. This is how our homes are changed when we are changed, when what influences us is the gospel of the kingdom. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 5th Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.